So this week we're beginning a new series on work called Bringing Home the Bacon. And uh, on Facebook, a number of people have given suggestions for um, the pig's name, and I believe the most popular one was Chris. So, uh, as in Chris P. Bacon. (laughs) So, um, introducing Chris for you here today. Um, Yes. So, I'm Tim McCleary. I'm one of the elders here at Restoration. And the last time I was up here was uh, 25 weeks ago, back at the beginning of September. And that was the last time that Ross had the opportunity to take a break on a Sunday. So I'm really glad to be able to be here this morning so he can have that well-needed and well-deserved rest and Sabbath. I mean, after all, after him preaching for five weeks on Sabbath, I feel like he deserves to have a Sabbath. So um, he and, and his family are enjoying that uh, today, and uh, we'll, we'll see him again next week. Uh, But bringing home the bacon is a phrase that goes back 400 years when at carnivals a pig would be greased and unleashed and the first person to capture it received the prize of taking it home. Thank you. (laughs) Can't have that falling off on me. (laughs) Later during the Great Depression when money was scarce and pork expensive, the term became more popular as those who were able to earn more money were the ones who literally could bring home the bacon. So we use it as an idiom for working and earning a wage. But in this series, we're going to discuss way more than working. We're going to ask questions like, what is your calling? What is your vocation? How has God wired you uniquely? And what work brings you delight and satisfaction? And how does the answer to those questions align with the work God created you to do? And with what God is up to in the world. In this series, we're going to get to know ourselves. And we're going to learn the purpose of our work. Beyond bringing home the bacon. Beyond earning money. Beyond having something to do each day. I mean, why do we work? What's the purpose of our getting up in the morning? What is God hoping to accomplish through that activity? And is that activity in line with what God has uniquely designed us for. You see, work is ingrained into what it means to be human, so we better learn to do it well. In the course of this series, we hope to open up your vocation, your calling, and unleash you to fulfill it. But today will be somewhat of a transition. The past five weeks, we've been focusing on Sabbath, but Sabbath, resting, and working have somewhat of a symbiotic relationship. So we're hinging We're moving from Sabbath to work. And as Ross would love us to do, we're going to start in the beginning. In the beginning, as God created humanity, he blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. That's Genesis 1.28. God goes on in that passage to define what subduing means. It's tending to the earth, working the fields and orchards, and caring for the animals. We, in other words, were created to work. We were created to produce, to increase, and to grow. Most people in our day and age will give that a hearty amen, thinking that to grow and increase means working harder and longer hours. You want to see fruitfulness? Then crack the whip. Isn't that the American way? Doesn't the American dream promise a great reward if we are only willing to work hard enough, take enough risks, and sacrifice enough? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Let's get going. 
You can make something of yourself if you work hard enough. That's the American way, right? So since 2004, the American workforce has added an average of eight hours a week to the average workload. It's essentially a six-day worth of work each week. And it's all because of one device that captivated the masses, the smartphone. And someone's calling me right now. (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) But it's constantly on us. And 65% of Americans have felt a need that they must be on call 24-7 and accessible by email at all times. I'll admit that as someone myself that works in technology, I'm one of them. It's never far from me. It's my electric leash, electronic leash. So what do we do? We check our email the first thing out of bed as we're eating breakfast at red lights. At lunch, while sitting at a table with friends, and while we're having, trying to have a conversation, at least my wife is trying to have a conversation with me. Sorry. The line between work and the rest of life has been blurred. Beyond that, when we finally do get home, we have our kids' baseball practice and gymnastics, play practice, and choir concerts. We have meetings for church, PTA, our own hobbies and interests. We have a yard to keep up and a house to clean. And if we are lucky and get eight hours of sleep a night, and come on, guys, who gets eight hours of sleep a night? Okay, that's really good if you can do that, all right? That doesn't happen usually for me. Um, That's a blessing and a great thing if you can do that. But the average person has roughly 15 hours a week that aren't accounted for before the week began. 15 hours. But, you know, it is nice to take a shower, and I really recommend taking a shower every once in a while, so make that 14 hours, maybe less if you take longer showers. And that doesn't account for grocery shopping, so make it 13 hours. And most of us really like eating, so let's cut that down to six hours. And that doesn't account for any travel time, so you better actually make that three hours. So three hours a week is the average time the adult American has free per week. Three hours. And because we don't know how to stop, and because we don't know how to say no, and we don't know how to Sabbath, three hours. And all of this boils down to one word. Stress. I get stressed just seeing that word on the screen. Stress, though, is simply a force applied to an object. It's not always bad. The right amount of stress applied to a violin string creates a beautiful note. But too little and you get an annoying buzz. And too much creates a shrill, off-key sound. Stress also allows runners to run as feet apply force to the ground. Too little and you won't get proper traction. And honestly, you'll probably look a little like a prancing fairy. (laughs) Too much and you'll get some shin splints. But we can't avoid stress, nor should we. But we were created, not created to bear too much. And studies show that 43% of adults suffer from stress-related ailments. And those stress-related ailments account for 75% of all doctor's visits. I mean, just one example. How many of you have heartburn on a regular basis? You know, I mean, that oftentimes is stress-induced. Do you think we are bearing too much? 
This is because we lack margin. We've neglected Sabbath, and we have no rhythm of work and rest that allows us to be fruitful. There once was a day, and I I remember these days, when we shut off our computer at work and went home to be present with our families because that home computer took way too long to boot up. And we didn't have computers in our pockets. But now when I get home, what do I do? I put a pot of water to boil on the stove, and I check my email, and I continue working. I'm at the gym, and between sets, I'm checking my email. I'm trying to get some work done. And if you're like me and you work in technology, you have all of the apps that monitor all of the things and nag you and make your left eye perpetually twitch. So, you know, I get that we were made to work and increase and be productive. Work is a good thing. It is built into God's design for humanity. We were made in God's image. The imprint and indentation of the creative working hand of God is on us. So there's a natural desire to accomplish and be productive. But back in Genesis, the text suggests that Adam and Eve had a regular custom of taking a walk with God at the end of the day. It was a daily reminder that God's hand filled the imprint on them, and he alone gave them worth and acceptance. This was how it was meant to be, a regular rhythm of rest and retreat into the presence of God following a day of labor. It wasn't optional. It was part of the relationship established between God and those made in his image. But we all know what happened. One evening, Adam and Eve failed to show up. They had rejected God's hand and image in life. And when you abandon life, you get death. When you tear down your beautiful home, you now have to live within the rubble. Work became really hard and laborious. God didn't curse the earth because he was angry. He had told them if they rejected life that they would have to live in death. He simply let humanity live within the consequence of their sin which was the broken life filled with backbreaking, sweat of your brow, labor, and toil. You know, some of you might be thinking, you know, that's my life. Work is hard. I get out of bed every morning and go to a job that exhausts me. I get out of bed every morning and go to a job that just doesn't inspire me, and I have no sense of anticipation. I wonder what the purpose of all of it is. Surely this can't be what I was created for. And you come home tired and worn out, and you have nothing left for your family or for yourself. But that wasn't how it was supposed to be. You see, work itself is not a curse. It was assigned before the fall. We were designed for intentional activity to produce a sense of fruitfulness in our lives. I'll say that again. We were designed for intentional activity to produce a sense of fruitfulness in our lives. And when we lose that sense of purpose in our work, it creates a hole in our souls. You know, what happens when people lose their jobs? Statistics show that 45,000 people annually who lose their job commit suicide. 45,000. And when people retire, 40% of those people will experience a loss of identity, a loss of purpose, become bored and lazy, and become clinically depressed. We're meant to work. It's, a, it's an innate part of our DNA. 
It's a strategic part of the human existence. God created humanity on the sixth day to work and rule. He gave them instructions on how to care for creation. But then, notice this. On the first full day of humanity's existence, he told them to do something odd. He told them to do something that seems so foreign to so many of us. He told them to rest. He didn't create humanity and put them to work. He created humanity and then took a break. This is an important principle most Americans know nothing about. We are to work from our rest, not rest from our work. We are to work from our rest and not rest from our work. Rest is God's healthy starting point for us. We typically have this backward. We pride ourselves on our strong work ethic and even consider it a sign of godliness. Well, except you millennials. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) When I pray for my kids at night, I pray that they will become hardworking, kind, mature, fun to be around, godly people. I don't ever pray that they'll be well-rested. Do you? We want them to be productive. We want them to succeed. But in order to fulfill our calling to be fruitful, we must start from a place of rest. Resting in God and abiding in his presence is the only way we can be successful in what he has called us to do. If you brought your Bible with you this morning, join me in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Uh, You can also open it up in a Bible app, or um, you can read along on the screen. This is what it says, John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. As I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the vine in the Old Testament, as alluded to by several prophets in the Psalms, was Israel. But they didn't produce fruit as they were supposed to. So now Jesus claims he is the true Israel, living rightly, producing fruit. This is what humanity was supposed to look like. This is what humanity was supposed to do and how they were supposed to behave. A life producing fruit is certainly a life living in love, but it's also a life living in purpose. Knowing oneself and how God has uniquely designed me to be producing and working for his purposes in the world. This fruit would be the evidence of being a true human in true relationship with God. If you're not producing fruit then you will be cut off. And how does this fruit in increasing measure come about? Jesus tells us, abide or remain or rest in me. 
So if you remain in me and I in you, that's what he calls us to do. You can't bear fruit unless you abide in me. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Again, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Don't abide and you won't. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. In order to bear fruit, you must be pruned. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. And how will they know, how will the world know who, our followers, who the followers of Jesus are? It's by the fruit they bear. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, it's like a pendulum swinging. At one end of the arc is fruitfulness, and at the other end is abiding. You can't have one without the other. We abide in Christ and go forth to bear fruit. We bear fruit, and then we are pruned back and enter into a time of abiding. Rest, work, work, rest, rest, work, work, rest, rest, work. You cannot bear fruit if you do not spend time abiding. But we can't stay abiding and resting idly because a branch that doesn't bear fruit is cut off and thrown into the fire. What we need, then, is a rhythm of resting and working. Now, notice that I'm not suggesting a balance of resting and working. There isn't much room for balance in a passionate Christian life, but there can and should be rhythms and seasons of both. But notice that nowhere in the text is growth mentioned. Growth is the result of the right rhythm being established because growth is not the same as bearing fruit. Growth is a process where fruit is the product. You might find that six months of abiding, reading God's word, and developing a more honest and deliberate praying life is the process of growth you needed in order to become more patient or less angry, which is the fruit of your abiding. But sometimes we mistake spiritual growth for the fruit itself. Remember, we need to go through the process of growing before we see fruit. Just as an apple tree, for example, does not bear fruit, For the first three years, it needs to develop, it needs to grow. Great vines are pruned back and forced not to bear fruit for two or three years so that their root systems can be established. Growth must happen before fruit is produced. And growth comes from knowing how to abide. And so, although this goes against everything in the American way, I give you permission to be unproductive and simply soak up the life of Christ. We must learn to Sabbath. In the first century, vines would be cultivated, planted, and left to grow for three years before being allowed to bear fruit. Every time it tried to bring forth a bunch of grapes, it would be cut back. Only after the third year would the grapes be allowed to grow. By then, the branches were strong enough to support the weight of the grapes and the abundant fruit without breaking. After the harvest, the branches were pruned back for a time of nourishment and the rest before the fruit-growing season began again. Bearing fruit is the most natural thing in the world for a branch to do. It is not strenuous. So if bearing fruit is not coming naturally in our lives, 
Could it be that we have not spent the proper season abiding? If our work is not producing fruit, it is in part because we are not Sabbathing. Could it be that we are overgrown branches, too weak to support a single grape, let alone a bunch, and therefore we need pruning? You know, pruning is not the fun part of life. But if a grapevine is not pruned regularly, the branches grow spindly and weak. There is no abiding time when they gain their strength for the growing season. We need to learn when it is our pruning time. We need to learn when it is our time to cut back, rest, and abide in order to gain the strength and energy it takes to bear fruit. This seems unproductive at first, and it goes against everything our culture tells us. I mean, it's even the case in church growth books. Most of these books tell pastors to press into the sanity of the workload and just delegate more. To keep doing your outreaches and make them bigger and better and keep prepping your sermons and creating more and more and more and never quit and fight through the exhaustion and narrow your boundary lines because, hey, if you want to reach the world for Christ, you have to want it and press forth with all your effort to bear fruit for the kingdom. But what these church growth books don't tell you is the fact that nearly 1,000 pastors quit ministry every year in America because of exhaustion and burnout. This is part of the reason why we've, as Restoration, have raised up so many high-capacity leaders to be included on our staff. This is part of the reason that we're developing an internship program and a residency to develop the next generation of leaders. This is why we must surround Ross and Emily and our staff as volunteers and carry the load of the church together. And this is why I am up here today preaching to you, (laughs) to give Ross that opportunity for a break so he's not one of those thousand pastors every year. We need rest. We need Sabbath. Ross needs it too. Our leaders need it too. Pruning, stopping, resting is not automatic for any branch. Left to its own plans, a branch will continue to grow, increasing in size but decreasing in strength endurance and health until it is unable to hold the fruit it is intended to bear and the branches break leaving it unable to bear any fruit in the future without times of pruning the vines will grow wild and without times where we allow the spiritual ground to lie fallow those times when we rest and abide there will be very poor harvest in the years to come so i want you to take a quick inventory of your own work do you rest from work Do you consider your weekend a time to recover from the week? Or do you work from your rest? Are your breaks the times you energize and envision and launch your work from? I'm going to invite the band forward as we conclude this this sermon. You cannot have more than you give. You see, we each have 168 hours in a week. So how are you using your 168? What percentage of those hours are resting or abiding in Christ? What percentage are you trying to be productive? Every day we are making decisions as to where we invest our limited resources. If we try and force growth and just keep working and working and never resting, then we will snap. We will crash into rest rather than prune into rest. You know, people like me thrive on work, on accomplishing, on being productive, on getting things done. 
you know, that can be a good thing if properly channeled. However, my tendency is to take on too much, and I struggle to delegate or let others do the work. I can often feel that if I don't do something, someone else won't do it correctly. Can you tell I'm a bit of a perfectionist? If I don't do something, I'm going to disappoint someone. I'm going to let them down. They need me. But doing this with too much and for too long isn't sustainable. I wasn't getting to everything that I took on while at work. You know, I had all these things that I was doing because I felt I had to do them or else no one else was going to do them right. Or I was doing them because people ex- I felt people expected me to do them. And so I would leave work. I'd come home, scarf down some dinner, and bury myself back in my work. If someone needed help with their personal computer, I'd carve out some time and work for hours trying to figure out the problem. I'd volunteer for various roles at church, taking on too many things and fooling too, many, too much of my schedule. Between work, church, and other obligations, I was away from home most nights and weekends. It took a toll on my health, on my relationships. Sorry, hon. And in the end, I wasn't doing anything that well. I wasn't getting to sleep. I was getting to sleep far too late. Dragging myself out of bed far too early each morning. Certainly not getting eight hours of sleep. And I was struggling to stay awake throughout the day at work. I relied on caffeine way too much just to get me through the day. And one day, I realized that I just couldn't keep going. I was burning out. So I crashed into rest. You see, rest will be forced upon us if we neglect it. So whether you want to or not, it's coming. (laughs) We need to rest. I had to realize that I can't do it all. I had to learn that no is not a bad word to use at times. It's okay to let others do things and even let them do things their way. And it's okay if those things are done a little imperfectly. I know you can relate. (laughs) I needed to learn to abide, to rest, and to Sabbath. And you know what? Things still got done. I was able to rest, though. So, a few questions as we close. There may be some areas of your life that God is calling you to cut out. And I want you to think about them. What do you need to cut from your schedule? You know, because the pace you're keeping can't be kept. You're exhausting so much energy trying to keep your schedule that you're cranky and short-tempered. You're producing second-rate fruit, and you're finding yourself too weak to carry the load, and you're finding yourself too exhausted to abide in God's Word and too distracted to pray. Maybe it's your child's activities. You haven't had time to rest as a family, and though you're technically together at all these different events, you're not growing together or producing meaningful fruit as a family. What is God telling, uh, telling you to say no to? What do you need to say no to so that you have room in your week to simply be still and listen and read and take a nap and pray and maybe even just be? 
And it may not be all bad stuff he's wanting to cut out. The text says that he prunes those branches that are bearing fruit so that they'll be even more fruitful. Surrender your schedule, your calendar, your energy over to God, and he may reveal that there are areas that need to be pruned, things that need to be cut out so that you have margin, wiggle room to do what he asks you to do. You know, maybe he's asking you to start serving here at Restoration Church, but your schedule is so full that you can't, so you don't. Maybe he's challenging you to make attending Sunday morning here a priority, but with your schedule and your kids' schedule, your vacation schedule, you can't. Without cutting out, stopping, resting, Sabbathing, and abiding, the fruit we produce in our work and in our lives will be weak. So what are the habits in your life that God is calling you to cut out? How can you free up your time and energy to serve him and experience fruitfulness and humanity as he intended it? I I challenge you to, to think through these questions. Think of what you need to cut, what you need to say no to, how you can free up your time. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you created us and you created us for work. Lord, and work can be a very beneficial and a very fruitful thing. Lord, but we need to learn to abide. We need to learn to rest. We need to learn to Sabbath. And we need to learn to have a rhythm between work and rest. I pray that we can see how you can prune those things in our lives that need to be pruned so that we can rest, so that we can grow, and so that ultimately we can be fruitful. Lord, help us as we consider this. In your name we pray. Amen.